0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God, and living well. So, if this is your first time listening to Whole and Complete Podcast, this is a series based podcast, and you have found us in the middle of a series. This is part two of the Mama Trauma series. And I will tell you guys this, clearly mama trauma has struck a nerve <laughs> with quite a few people because, and I I really don't get into the monitoring of like podcast statistics. I always feel like the message is going to find whoever it needs to find and bless who it needs to bless. God has a way of allowing you to hear a message right when you need to hear it. And so I really don't get into that. But I will say that the statistics for Mama Trauma, the first part of the series, are exceptionally higher than usual. And so I thank you for those of you who listen regularly. And I thank you to those of you who are sharing it and have shared this with somebody who you feel needs to hear it and can benefit from it. I think that's the highest compliment that you can pay. Aside from leaving reviews, I still need those podcast reviews so that other people can find the podcast. And you know how it is. Um, I'm one of those people who I have to read reviews before I invest my time, energy and resources. And a lot of people are like that too. And so your reviews, your feedback helps in so many ways, in addition to shifting the algorithm that makes it easier for people to find things. So if you are an Apple podcast user, Thank you for leaving that review. And if you haven't yet, please make sure that you do so if this podcast is helping you, blessing you in some way. So as we always do, we have a guiding scripture for this episode and it comes from Proverbs. This is one of my favorite scriptures, actually. Chapter four, verse seven. And it says this, wisdom is the supreme thing. Some versions say wisdom is the principal thing. So get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding some versions say and in all you're getting get understanding so wisdom is supreme so get wisdom and whatever else you get get understanding this is our guiding scripture because with respect to mama trauma it is so important and so vital and so critical that you understand because understanding is what facilitates healing And I know that a number of you need to heal from childhood experiences with your mother. So today we're gonna be talking about expectations, the biological effects of mama trauma and the relational effects of mama trauma. So here we go. So let's talk about expectations. Let's start with the definition. When I looked up the definition of mother, there, as you can imagine, were a lot of definitions. And of course there's like millions of mommy blogs. And so if you, that word Mother, mom, mama is a loaded term, but the definition that I'm going to use for this part of the series is this one. Mother, a female animal in relation to its offspring. I'm gonna repeat that. A mother is a female animal in relation to its offspring. So that term, mama, mommy, mother, It's a loaded term because that word is laden with an incredible amount of expectations. People expect things from mothers that they do not expect from fathers. Now, you can argue with me on that, but I will take you to task. I got data to back it up. People, society, communities, cultures... Expect things from mothers that they do not expect from fathers. That's not to dismiss fathers or say that dads are not important, but the expectations are very different. If you see a child out dirty in the street or wilding out or misbehaving, more times than not, they want to know what the mama got to say or where's this child's mother. They seldom ask where the father is. Children also yearn for their mothers in ways that they do not yearn for their fathers. As I said in the last episode, kids always want their mama. Always. Even when children have been adopted from birth and find out that they've been adopted, there's this yearning in their hearts to go in search of information about their biological mother. It is a extremely strong bond that transcends... So many things. And so, children on some level almost always yearn for their mothers. And the relationship between a mother and her children sets the stage for how that child will grow, develop, and operate in relation to other people. A mother is a female that is biologically able to reproduce and give birth. I'm going to repeat that. A mother is a female that is biologically able to reproduce and give birth, period. Everything else that we associate with mothering, motherhood, and being a good mom are social constructions. They are expectations that society has built and Conform to so they say moms are loving moms are nurturing moms are that is not those are not prerequisites for being a mother to be a mother at its base root most essential form is to be able to be able to biologically reproduce and give birth so Those social constructions, we base them on scripture, we base them on patterns that we see in nature, we base them on expectations from communities and cultures. And it is important to make this distinction because, listen to me, listen, (laughs) there is nothing that guarantees that you are going to be born to a woman who has her ish together. There is nothing that guarantees that she is going to have her her stuff together emotionally. There are no guarantees that you are going to be born to a woman who has not experienced trauma. There are no guarantees that you will be born to a woman who has processed and healed from the pain of her own childhood or neglect or abuse. You were born to a mother who had a whole range of human experiences before she gave birth to you. I'm going to repeat that. You were born to a mother, to a woman who had a whole range of human experiences before she gave birth to you. Those experiences could have been positive and happy and healthy and affirming or those experiences could have been traumatizing and abusive and neglectful. And toxic and created a whole range of deficits that did not allow her to thrive in relationships or stay gainfully employed or have reasonable expectations of others or be unselfish or stay away from drugs or toxic relationships. And in the black community, especially where many of us are socialized to believe that we don't have a choice, that we can't speak up for ourselves, that we can't say no, that we can't speak to anybody about our problems outside of the household. We can't speak to nobody but God. We can't seek therapy. It is not uncommon for black women, especially to project a whole host of unresolved issues and traumas onto their children because your very existence triggers all the things that they have not worked through. So when you become a mother and you are primarily responsible for this human life, for this little life and all the demands that that having a young child brings it will conjure up it will stir up all of the human experiences that you have had prior to having that child motherhood will bring things out of you that you did not even know were still there it will trigger memories it will trigger feelings it will it's it's like navigating a landmine of emotions okay and your very existence not that your existence is problematic but it conjures up all of those things that may not have been worked through. And I say all of this not to excuse any of the behavior that may have caused you to feel traumatized or unwanted or disregarded or abused or neglected as a child. I am not caping for mama. I'm not doing that. If this happened to you, if you were abused or neglected or traumatized by your mom, I am deeply, deeply sorry because I know how much that hurts. Personally, if you are coming to this episode in the in the middle of the series, like episode, part two, then I encourage you to go back to part one and you can hear my whole story. Um, so I do. I understand where you're coming from. I know that it hurts. But I say this not to defend her, but because in order for you to heal from mama trauma, We have to put some space. We have to put some distance between what we think a mother should be, what a mother should do, what a mother should say and how a mother should act. We have to put some space in between all of those expectations of what mom should be with respect to her children and instead view her as an individual with a range of human experiences that were likely unresolved before she became your mother. And or sometimes they're triggered. I mean, postpartum depression is a real thing. Okay, so the the chemical firings and, and range of things that happened with postpartum is is real also. So sometimes just becoming a mother can can bring things into existence that did not exist before. But Looking at your mom as an individual with a range of human experiences, as opposed to all of the societal expectations and things that we expect from good moms is is necessary in order to facilitate the healing process because trauma causes gaps. Trauma causes deficits, which means that people cannot give what they don't have. If you were born to a mother who herself experienced trauma, It created some deficits for her, just like it's created some deficits for you. And we'll get to the deficits by the end of this episode. But if you were born to somebody who has deficits, disconnects, gaps in their own healthy, emotional, social, emotional, spiritual development, that means that they don't have a well from which to draw from to give you certain things. And I want to qualify that statement because some of you might be thinking, hmm, well, she sure had it for my little brother. She sure had it for my little sister. And to that, I would say this you and your siblings can be born to the same woman and yet be raised by two totally different people. Me and my sister are 10 years apart, we have the same mother, but I can assure you we were raised by two completely different people. Where your mother was mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, hell, financially, when she had you may be totally different than where she was when younger siblings came along. So if you were born to a young mom or a teen mom, the kind of financial resources and support that you have available and things that you're contending with as a teenager are very different than the things that you're contending with when you are 28 29 30 31 32 when when later children come along she may have had her own mama trauma and having a daughter triggered her in ways that a son does not so mama trauma is layered it is complex and i can tell you that in order for me to heal myself and adjust my expectations i had to learn to look at my situation not as a daughter with disappointments and all the things, but as a human trying to understand the experiences of another human, which brings us to biological effects. So as I told you, I am reading this book, which I highly recommend. It is now going to be incorporated into my coaching practice, which by the way, I do do coaching. So if you have some of these issues, you know, give me a holler. I do limit my caseload because, In order to maintain quality and just my own sanity, I can only coach a few clients at a time. But if you have any questions about that, just go to DrShante.com and you can book a consultation. But I am reading this book right now called What Happened to You? And it's this conversation between Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry, who has studied childhood trauma for 30 years, both from a psychological perspective and from a neuroscience perspective. And this is really important because a lot of times we think, well, why can't you just change? And we think that behavior can just stop on a dime, not realizing that there are some biological connections, some strong biological connections that are deeply rooted to things that we experience as children. So here is a quote directly from that book. It says, biologically speaking, continuous trauma can weaken remaining neural pathways and neural pathways are the things that your brain connects, the paths that your brain connects in order to make meaning and create understanding. So, biologically speaking, continuous trauma can weaken remaining neural pathways to the thinking part of the brain and strengthen neural pathways to the survival part of the brain, thus bypassing the thinking part, which makes some children less capable of coping with adversity as they grow up. So, in other words, there are different parts of the brain, we know this, and each part serves a different function. There are parts of the brain that help you survive, Like, okay, I'm in trouble. What do I need to do to get out of this situation? And there are parts of the brain that help you understand and learn and process, okay? When you are traumatized as a child, your brain learns things that can take decades to unlearn or to heal. You can develop what is known as a deregulated stress response or dysregulated stress response, which means that you are kind of perpetually in this fight, flight, or freeze mode. So when you have trauma, You're not quote unquote resilient. Okay. People with trauma don't just bounce back unchanged, like, whoo, that was unfortunate. Glad that's over. No, you are forever changed. Trauma literally changes what happens to your brain, it changes the development of how your brain functions and forms and as adults you have to work to readjust and change the lens which has been altered by that traumatic event so trauma doesn't just go away even when you have long forgotten about it mentally cognitively your body remembers your brain remembers and it can be triggered by scent it can be triggered by Certain conditions, it can be triggered by someone being too close to you by proximity. It can be a whole range of things that you're like, why am I acting like this? Why am I tripping? Because your brain remembers there's a neural pathway that says, ooh, the last time we smelled this trouble was coming. Ooh, the last time somebody was this close to us, it was, it was traumatic and it was hurtful. And then it goes into this mode of survival and, and perception of threat. Now it's important to kind of define, for lack of a better term, trauma. And this is something that I try to do. So for the record, I'm Dr. Shantae, but I'm an educator. I am not a clinical, psychological, counseling, therapist person. I am a coach but I'm not a counselor. Okay. So coaching is helping you move forward to goals that you want to achieve in your life. And counseling kind of works backwards to give you some context, like, okay, now why are these things happening? What do they mean? And, and how can I notice these patterns and how can I self-regulate? Okay. So it's a, it's close, but not, and I want to be clear on that. So from the book, I like the way that Dr. Perry breaks down this definition of trauma, because some people can be like, Oh my gosh, I was stuck in traffic for two hours. I am traumatized. No, baby. That, <laughs> That's not trauma. That I mean, I'm sure it was inconvenient and I'm sure it was stressful and it was frustrating, but that is not trauma. The way that Dr. Perry tends to articulate trauma is it comes down to these three things: the event, the experience, and the effects. So it's important to understand that what might what might be traumatic for some may not feel as traumatic to others. So it depends on the event, that is what happened. And it depends on the experience, how it made you feel. So what happened and how did it make you feel? And it depends on the effects, how it changed you after it happened. So an example that I tend to use, and he's publicly disclosed his mental health condition is Kanye West. So Kanye West struggles with bipolarity. However, people will say, and, and this may be something that he may have had his whole life or struggled with his whole life, but people, fans, casual observers can say that there was a clear distinction between Kanye's behavior before his mother died and what he has become after his mother's death. So there's the event, there's the experience, and then there's the effects. What happened as a result How did it change you after that happened? So that's how we kind of like articulate trauma, okay? Event, experience, and effects. So things that children may find traumatic can include something like divorce. Divorce can feel like a death to many children and it can affect a child's sense of self. A direct quote from the book, which I appreciate it, says, quote, when children do not feel respected by their parents, their beliefs about how they are valued are crushed. I'm gonna repeat that. When children don't feel respected by their parents, their beliefs about how they are valued are crushed. And I think divorce is a really good example to use because sometimes when a relationship falls apart, a marriage falls apart, sometimes the parent can be so heartbroken or so consumed in their own grief and licking their own wounds that they become fixated on feeling better. And for some people, that means, well, the best way to get over is to get underneath somebody. So let me go and pump up my self-worth. Let me go and pump up my self-esteem. Let me go out and get me a new boo. Even though you have not resolved any of the things that have happened in the marriage. And so when you come trotting some new person out in front of your children, while your child is like, wait a minute. We're not going to be living with dad anymore or wait a minute, you know, like this other thing like that. The child's experience becomes secondary. And it's like, is the child fed? Yes. Is the child clothed? Yes. Does the child have a roof over their head? Yes. And so they feel like, OK, well, the basic three are are satisfied. I'm being a good, quote unquote, mom or mother. So now let me go and get mine. No, when children do not feel respected by their parents and they don't have any sort of agency in their lives or that their opinions don't matter, then their beliefs about how they are valued are crushed. So if your parents split up or mom brought some new guy into the picture and suddenly he was the star of the show and you got kicked to the curb, that can be very traumatizing and it can impact your beliefs about your own value and worthiness. A child's brain is always trying to make meaning, okay? Always. So as you grow and develop like the human brain, babies have so many neurological pathways that are just trying to like understand like what are these facial expressions mean what is this thing what is this what is that and one of the things that they're always trying to make meaning of is how do I fit in the grand scheme am I okay am I important does mom think I'm okay does mom think that I'm I'm beautiful that I'm valued is mommy happy with me you know does mom love me does mom pay attention to me or is she always on her phone so when you become the target, okay, as a child, and you're always trying to make meaning, when you become the target of your mother's wrath or her frustration or whatever, it destroys your sense of self. Likewise, when she neglects you, it is equally toxic. When you have a mother that is more concerned with herself, And her needs and her soap operas and her new boo or her drugs or her whatever than she is with your needs, you learn to regulate yourself in other ways. You know, so you see kids that pull their hair out, that hurt themselves, that cut themselves, or they do something called dissociation. Dissociation was a big aha for me personally because there are moments. In my childhood, so in the first part of the series, I talked about, you know, growing up in this violent and unstable household, but there were moments that there was no fight or, or, or flee. Okay. Like it wasn't, you know, you eight, nine years old. So where am I going to go and fight? You know, even at that age, I'm old enough to know "Mm, you fight the losing battle because there's a massive power differential here. So it's not like you can just fight your way out and survive this. And so I learned to dissociate. And what is dissociation? Dissociation is when you escape internally. In other words, you mentally check out. So you can't physically leave. So you mentally leave. You learn a pattern of conditioned compliance. Yes, ma'am. No, madam Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Okay you learn this pattern of hollow compliance. You just learn to go along, to get along, saying what you think needs to be said to escape the situation or to make it go away or saying what you think your mom wants to hear just so you can escape and survive. And this was my default coping mechanism and uh, well into adulthood, you know, and sometimes it still is. So because I was emotionally neglected, I learned how to disengage emotionally, to check out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And it's my default trauma response, meaning I have to work. So in the present day, I have to work to stay present. And in the moment when issues need to be resolved, so that I don't send the message to the other person that they don't matter. And I think I mentioned this, you know, this was like my ex-husband, this was his chief complaint. So I was never one of these people to be like, all right, fight or flight. I'm about to start throwing bases and throwing keys and throwing punches and throwing blows. Nope. I escaped internally. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. I'm not really retaining the information. It's not really being absorbed. Like Shantae has left the building and this other person has shown up like, okay. Yep. Yep shantae's in a conflict shantae's in trouble shantae's just trying to get over it get past it she's just waiting for the smoke to blow over that is a trauma response that carried over into adulthood and i didn't even realize the biological things that were happening in my brain i didn't even realize that that was a pattern until you know you learn you grow you go to therapy you read some things and you're like oh OK, <laughs> you know, and I would say that that's also a relational side effect of mama trauma, but biologically as well, that you just mentally go into yourself and you're like, like if this is happening to me, but it's really not happening to me. It's interesting in the book, Oprah said that this is also one of her coping mechanisms, that this is one of her trauma responses. And she and I both have in common one of the best ways to escape from difficult situation was books like I used to call books my first friends I was an only child for almost 10 years so when all this craziness was going on I was off to a world of Anna Green Gables and Ramona and Beesus and Superfudge and are you there God it's me Margaret it was like oh yep I can escape into somebody else's life and not have to deal with the things that's happening in my own life and So it goes. So sometimes, you know, somebody's talking and I gap out for a minute and then, you know, I come back to it. And that is a result of conditioning things that my brain has learned to do as a result of things that I experienced in childhood, which brings us to relational side effects. So one of the things that the book says is that and many studies have backed this up. Okay, so these are like decades worth of studies that the healthiest way to heal from trauma is through connectedness, human connectedness, healthy, consistent, loving and affirming relationships will help to rewire our circuitry that tells us that people are dangerous and that you can't trust them and things like that. So think about this. If you were traumatized and you learned that people are dangerous and that they're not trustworthy, how do you think that you're going to do in relationships? How long do you think it's going to take for you to allow somebody to really get close enough to you in order for that rewiring to occur? Okay, so unbeknownst to the person they're fighting an uphill battle because they don't know all the things that happened in your childhood and you may not be fully aware of how those things are impacting you in the present so here are some of the relational side effects one thing you need to ask yourself or ask or find out or give some thought to is what kind of relationship did your mom have with her mom okay because we talk about these generational things that kind of get passed down. And there's a lot of discussion in the book about epigenetics and how that works and how we can kind of pass on some of our maladaptive tendencies to our children but that's a really important question because my grandmother was a lifesaver like you can't say nothing bad about my granny I will take off my earrings and fight you in the street (laughs) but um but the woman that I knew as my grandmother is not the same woman that my mother knew as her mother They did not have a good relationship. And I mentioned this because if you have experienced mama trauma, chances are your relationships, friendships and connections to people in general are likely to suffer and not to say that you cannot. So let me be very clear. I'm not saying that if you experience mama trauma, you cannot have a healthy marriage. You cannot have healthy friendships. You cannot have, you know, be thriving on your job. I am not saying that at all. I'm telling you what's likely to happen. And also too, the book talks about when the trauma happens. Okay, so the earlier in your life that traumas happen, the harder it is to establish certain connections. When things happen a little bit later in life, you can recover a little bit better because you have better buffers. But I, oof, get the book, read the book. I don't even have time to get into all the deep well of that. But if your relationships are suffering, You have to think about connectedness regulates us. okay? so those healthy, firming, consistent, loving relationships regulate us, regulate us. But when you grow up with a mom who was inconsistent or irresponsible, then think about it. What have you learned? People can't be trusted. You can't rely on anybody. You're on your own. Mama trauma can also make you lack confidence in adulthood because you are always plagued with self-doubt and not trusting yourself because you did not receive messages of affirmation and encouragement growing up. Remember what I said earlier, people can't give what they don't have. If they don't, if you were born to a mother that did not love herself, that did not value herself, that did not have high self-esteem or good self-esteem or good self-concept or what have you, then she did not have that. To pass on to you, not to say that she couldn't, but many times that's not the case. And so because you did not receive those messages of affirmation and encouragement growing up, you grow up with a severe lack of confidence. Mama trauma can make vulnerability and transparency a major struggle for you. So if you did not have a mother that you felt like you could confide in or share your problems with, or you felt judged and criticized or shamed whenever you did, well, you should have did this and you should have did that. Or what your problem is, is da 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 Then what did that teach you? Suck it up. Soldier on. Don't be weak. Don't be soft. You ain't the first and you won't be the last. Nobody cares about your problems. And so fast forward to adulthood and vulnerability and intimacy connects people. Now you're struggling with vulnerability. You're struggling to let people in and and know the real you. Another side effect of of mama trauma, relational side effect, is it can lead you to repeat the same toxic patterns in relationships that you saw modeled in your life. And so if your mother did not have healthy relationships with a life partner okay or a spouse or significant other children tend to learn what they live and so the toxicity that you experienced in your childhood can seem familiar to you and normal to you doesn't everybody name call doesn't everybody push and shove doesn't everybody throw things like isn't that what couples do no (laughs) that is not what normal loving healthy relationships do and people in those relationships do. And so you ignore the red flags and you allow behaviors that are hurtful and traumatic. And one of the biggest ways that mama trauma impacts you relationally is that you devalue yourself. So if you grow up thinking that your mom did not see you as a priority, it can be very difficult for you to advocate for yourself in adulthood, to speak up for yourself, not to let other people take advantage of you, not to be a people pleaser, which is a huge side effect, relational side effect of mama trauma. Oprah said that was her go-to. She was a people pleaser. She was always trying to please and appease and it became so toxic that she turned to what she calls her drug and her drug was food. Mama trauma can also be the recent reason why you gravitate towards friendships and relationships with men and you think women are unsafe, untrustworthy or difficult like, I'm I'll mess with women. Women too messy. Women too this, women too that." And you think, "Hey, Relationships with guys are easier. I click with them more. Okay, well, think about that. Could that in some way be related to the relationship that you have with your mother? What did your mother teach you about male attention? Were you slut shamed? Were you body shamed? Were you called fast when these fast tail girls? Did she project her unresolved issues with abuse or sexual trauma onto you? Was she promiscuous as a teenager, got pregnant as a teenager and then turned around and put a stranglehold on your life? So, you know, you couldn't leave the porch. Made you feel bad for wanting to hang out with your friends. Fast forward to today. You know, you grown, you got your own kids and family. Does she make you feel bad about wanting to hang out with your friends? Mm. What you teaching them kids? You know, you out in them streets. Okay, I didn't realize that having lunch with Carol made me mean I was out in these streets, but you go, okay, you know, so this is about more if your mom has those kinds of views, this is about more than her. Well, you know, she just has traditional values. No, that's called weaponizing shame, okay? So weaponizing shame is a common form of mama trauma. And so mama trauma isn't something you just experienced in childhood. It can also be things that you experience right now in adulthood. Your mama might still be terrorizing you. And lastly, for this episode, it can impact your relationship with your own children. So as much as you tell yourself that you're not going to be like your mom and all of that, if you have not done the work to heal, to unlearn, to rewire your circuitry, if you have not experienced the benefit of those healthy human connections and loving, affirming, consistent, reliable relationships, then you are likely to struggle with your own parenting. You can pass your traumas on to your children. They learn what you teach them, even when you don't verbalize it. Children are incredibly perceptive and they can sense when you are tense or angry or fearful or stressed. They're always looking at your face for affirmation that things are okay. Even as teenagers, they're always scanning the room. Is everything okay here? They're sampling the temperature in the air. Are we safe? Are we cool? Is everything all right? And you have to do, if you've been experienced trauma in childhood, especially from your mom, you have to do a lot of work to teach your children differently, to recognize certain patterns in yourself and learn how to manage and control certain behaviors. So, I hope that this shed a light on some things I have learned in my mental health journey that. Sometimes episodes like this can be a real gift because it explains things or it puts things in perspective or it gives me context or it gives me a clue for further exploration. And I hope that's what this has done, especially for those of you who have experienced mama trauma. You know, Mother's Day just passed and a lot of people kind of put on the fake face, the fake and fine. Like, hey, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Hey, mama. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Mother's day is hard for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. And so I hope that you made it through unscathed and I hope that this episode was helpful to you. So next week, uh, this is unprecedented for the first time in my podcasting life. I will bring a very special and particular guest on this show um, at her request, actually. So my daughter, my child, my teenager, has requested to be a guest on this show. And I think that this would be a good series to do it, to bring her in. Because I think it's important to learn from your kids, to know how your mothering has impacted them and what you're doing right and where you need to grow and what's important to them. So I don't know how it will shake out, <laughs> um, but it will be honest and unfiltered. And I hope that you can appreciate it in the context of this series. So thank you all for listening. If you have any comments, takeaways, et cetera, hit me up at Dr. Shante Says on Twitter, on Instagram. Please leave a review on Apple Podcast if you have not already. And I will see you all in part three.